live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so divisional weekend in the NFL is going to be an absolute monster. Now, I'll tell you why I say that. Number one, you've got the incredible weekend matchup with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they're only an appetizer, right? Then you've got the most popular man in New York rolling with the Giants into Philly on Saturday night. You know that guy. Roman Rome, what's happening, partner? Yeah, did you try to take longer to get that in there than I did to get down and pick up my pen? Because if so, you may have won. Take my golden ticket. I said the most popular man in New York is going to roll into Philly with the Giants, Alvin, and it's this guy. What's up, dude? Nothing much, Roman Rome. I can't call him man. Romy Rome. I'd like to. No, he's the second most popular guy. Yeah, right. I got it, Alvin. He's the second most popular guy in New York. Romy Rome. Romy Rome. I'm not talking about John. I'm not talking about. Man, nobody, we all love that. The XR4TI absolutely loves Womey Wom. I can't call it me. What's up, partner? We all love that, but nobody loves that more than the flight deck, James Kelly. He's like, dude, play it on a loop. Play it on a loop. If I did, Kelly, you wouldn't have a job. All right, anyway, 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 anyway. That right there is the second most popular dude in New York City. No, I mean the dude. The most popular man in New York right now, Brian Dable. He may not walk on water, but he is winning with Danny Dimes and the Giants, which is essentially the same thing. So you've got that. We also have, as I mentioned, Steve Tasker is coming up. You've got the Bills and the Bengals, the rematch, or reset, or redo, or whatever you want to call it in the early game Sunday. So you've got three really good games, three games that I'm here for, three games that should be incredible. However... I'm not sure any of them are better than the finale because you have the Cowboys at the Niners. And why do I say that? Mostly because, if not totally because, the game's going to feature my new favorite player, Brett Maher, a.k.a. America's kicker. I'm not even clowning. Am I or am I not? Womie wom. I'm not clowning. This is going to be an amazing weekend of pro football, but nothing is going to be more thrilling than any of the Maher kicking attempts. Now, that's appointment television. There's a whole other category for any time this guy steps in between the lines on Sunday. I'm Money Maher's biggest fan. Uh... Actually, Dak Prescott, you are not Money Maher's biggest fan. I am. And thankfully, it sounds like the Cowboys really are going to stick with my dude. And I don't know if it's the right move for Team Cowboys, but I damn sure know it's the right move for Team Content. And you know Jarrah is always looking out for Team Content. It's not like it's easy to just go out and replace your kicker right in the middle of the postseason. And it's also not like Maher hadn't been incredibly solid throughout the regular season, because he was. He missed more extra points in the first half on Monday night than he did the entire season. Fact, he only missed six kicks total all year long. 
before he missed not one, not two, not three, but four point afters in succession. And technically, not even four, but five in a row since he missed his last point after of the regular season. That's not easy to do. And before all that, he was glossed money. And for good reason, because he was money. Yet at the same time, we all know the yips are no joke. Know anything about sports? Hell, know anything about life? Nobody knows where the yips come from. Nobody knows how they start. Nobody knows how you get them. Nobody knows how you get rid of them. Only that you sure as hell don't want them. Take it from me. Womey womey. You don't want them. Missing four. What's happening, partner? What's up? Missing four point afters in one half, again, is not easy to do. In fact, I would have said it's impossible. So it's as baffling as it is riveting, and it's about the most riveting thing ever. I mean, how did that happen? Where did that come from? It's not like it was windy in Tampa. It's not like there was any weather of any kind or any bad elements. It's not like the kicking operation was a mess or had a really bad night in that regard. It's not like the snaps were poor or the holds were off. Dude just could not make a kick, just could not swing his leg. This guy could not stop shanking kicks. And I mean shanking the hell out of these kicks. He wasn't just missing the uprights. He was missing the damn net, which meant they kept losing K-balls. And that obviously did not help his cause. It's like, essentially, he just pumped an entire sleeve of Titleist Pro V1s into the drink. Those balls are gone forever, and it's impossible not to think about it the next time you set up to hit over water, right? Except when you go through that on the golf course, the entire country is not watching. And your professional career is not on the line. But got to give it to my dude. And it is one of the reasons that he is now Womey Wom's favorite new player. Because, what's up? Because he took it like a pro. Because, of course, he did. He stood right in front of his locker, faced the media, and owned it and tried to even deflect by mixing in a little bit of self-deprecation. What was kind of going through your mind after the first and then after the second? Mm-hmm. You can keep going or appreciate that. Um, I was just trying to put a good, clean strike on it. Um, you know, wasn't able to do that for, uh, for too many in a row. So. Good man. I mean, money was like what? You're going to let me off easy by only mentioning the first two? You're not going to hit me with that LeBron two? Not, two, not three, not four, not five. Four, actually. Well, actually, five, going back to the regular season. Like, I feel for my dude. I do. And, of course, nobody truly knows how my man Money is going to respond this weekend. But, as Jarris said after the game on Monday night, he's, quote, done enough good ones. To keep the job. But I'll tell you what. Jarrah and the big head really ought to mix in some grammar. He's done enough good ones. Yeah, but I agree. 
I do agree. You know, grammar aside, he has done enough good ones. Unfortunately, while I agree with that, that is not all Jera had to say. Will you look at some kickers no. this week? No. Okay. We won't. We just, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's done enough good ones. And uh, uh, I don't think he's, uh, uh, what do they call it, uh, blown the socket or whatever you do. <laughs> Stuck your finger in the wrong hole. We got the heels. Okay. Damn, Jera. I don't think that he's, what do they call it, blown the socket? Put his finger in the hole? Stuck your finger in the wrong hole. I mean, damn, Jera. The hell is with your obsession with holes? Anyway. Finger holes. Glory holes. Glory hole days. Donut holes. Corn holes. Pie holes. Rabbit holes. Blow holes. Black holes. Glory holes. Glory hole day. Finger holes. Finger holes. Glory holes. Tuck your finger in the wrong hole. I mean, damn, Pops. Get your head out the gutter for five seconds, would you? Thank you to whoever jumped in at the very end, bailed him out, and said, he's got the yips. Because that's what we would call it, not the bluest socket or stuck his finger in the wrong hole. Stuck your finger in the wrong hole. Nah, he's got the yips. The yips. Nobody else has ever called the yips sticking your finger in the wrong hole. Stuck your finger in the wrong hole. At least Jarrah stuck with his support of my man Money when he jumped on 105.3 The Fan yesterday. Although, he did admit that Dallas might consider adding a second kicker to the active roster just in case. He also admitted it might impact Dallas's fourth down and two-point strategy come Sunday. But of course, that's not always said because Jarrah is never done talking. And he'll never stop making bizarre analogies that only he would ever bring up. They do put the face of a hunting dog when you uh, finally make your, uh, find what you're hunting. They rub that dog's face in that blood and make sure that uh, he remembers what it uh, tasted like and what it was like. And boy, that enhances his instincts for the rest of his time. And that's exactly... uh, the way the Cowboys, I'm sure, will take this victory in Tampa. Holy crap. What? What? So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. 
If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Listen, my man is the owner. He's the president. He's the general manager. He is the director of player pro personnel. He's the star, man. They got to put his face on the side of the helmet. Anyway, there's a reason why he owns, dominates, and runs the dynasty that is team content. Alvin may not be a human jukebox, but Jarrah is. You drop a quarter in that guy, drop a quarter in one of the slots in his face, and then shove a mic in his face, and he will deliver gold every single time. Rub that dog's face in that blood. And- this time, though, Jarrah's, Jarrah-isms actually do matter. Here's the thing, because for once, Team Cowboys actually matters. Team Cowboys actually matters as much as team content in January. When was the last time you could actually say that? Team Cowboys just won their first road playoff game in 30 years and, for the record, look pretty damn good doing it. You know, I posed the question yesterday, are they that good or are the Bucks that bad? And my answer is yes, but they look damn good. They really did. And now they're trying to do it again less than a week later with an up-and-down head coach and an up-and-down quarterback and, most importantly, a kicking game that is essentially a game of Russian roulette right about now. And that's exactly why there is no game that I'm looking forward to more this weekend than Cowboys-Niners. For the Cowboys' sake, let's hope it does not end like last year's playoff game with the Niners ended. Prescott takes off running the football. Whoa, I don't think this is going to work out. It will. They'll be able to oh, I know it's not. Plan for it. It's down, down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the official gets in the way. The game's oh, over. Gosh. The game is over. Oh, he did. Oh, they're going to look at this. It's it's going to be over because the umpire has to touch the ball. Of course, that's ridiculous for a game to end like that, Jim. Wow, I am livid if I'm a Cowboy fan and if I'm a Niners fan. That's the fan. end of the game. The yeah. game is over. Hell, yes, it was. Anyway, with seconds left, you might recall Dak ran it up the middle. The clock ran out. Big Mike was teaching a master class in time management or mismanagement. I mean, I'll take another ending like that. Why the hell not? But even better, why don't we hope in this sequel that there is some time on the clock so the game can come down to the hands of or put in the hands of or the foot of Big Money Maher. Oh, one more thought. Speaking of big money, have you seen that video of that TikToker who went through a McDonald's drive-thru for a sausage McMuffin and came out with money? This is, hold on. This is TikTok user Josiah Vargas. Username at Dookie Doughboy. Check out the Doughboy. I just went to McDonald's and these... Handing me my sausage McMuffin and this bag. Well, what's in this bag? They're deposit. Why? Just a couple thousand dollars here. Like, what is this? Why would they do this? 
What the? Why do I have to? Why do I have to? Why? Why? Why did? Hey, Doughboy. Why does anybody do anything? Because they can, or they're dumb as hell, or they're not paying attention. My man's just looking for some extra salt and pepper and they gave him a couple of cur. Man, I got to give it to this doughboy. Good on the doughboy. Good on him because he returned it and obviously saved somebody's ass. The world needs more dudes like the doughboy. I've got a feeling Big Mike is going to need somebody like the doughboy to save his bacon or sausage, as it were. Somebody to bail him out. You know what happened, I think? I think that some cashier at Mickey D's stuck his or her finger in the wrong hole. Stuck your finger in the wrong hole. Or blew out a socket. I'm talking with Jay Woods of Omega Tax Credits about small businesses under 500 employees qualifying for a tax refund from a new program. Tell me again, Jay, how long does it take for somebody saying, yeah, I don't know, I probably don't qualify. I'm saying find out because you don't know. How long does it take for them to find out? You don't have a more important 10 minutes in your day than these 10 minutes. That's it. 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com and find out. Jay is right for your business. There is not a more important 10 minutes. Steve Tasker. Steve, it is great to have you on the show. Steve, how are you? I'm great, Romy. Thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you again. Always good to talk to you, Steve. How are you feeling about things? The divisional round, so much going on in the town. How do you feel about your team? How do you feel about things overall? No, they're pretty good. I mean, this is still a really good football team. I've said it here locally, and and anybody listen to me, nobody believes me, but this team in Buffalo has been good enough to go to and win the Super Bowl for three years. But they haven't done it. They haven't even been there yet. Um, Something seems to derail them every year, but they are really, really good. They're very difficult to beat. They're 24-5 and over their last 29 games. Three of those losses were by a total of eight points. The other two losses were in overtime to the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. They're tough to beat. Um, they should feel really good, but, you know, when you get into the division around the NFL playoffs, uh, I'm pretty sure the Bengals feel really good about their chances, too. This should be a really good game. We're talking to Steve Tasker. I'm going to ask you about that matchup in a minute, Steve. But before we look ahead, maybe a quick look back. I mean, a win is a win. There are no style points. Survive in advance. But what were your biggest takeaways from their win over Miami? I, I was just talking about this to my co-host on our show. The Bills looked a lot like the Kansas City Chiefs in that win. Like go, they get taken overtime by a team like Houston a month ago. They, this team, they literally look like they're playing with their food until they decide to win. They just win. You know, the, the, they've just got such a huge engine under the hood that once in a while when they, when they get distracted looking at their phone in traffic, they forget that they should put their foot on the accelerator. Or they put their accelerator, they're just racing around. Um, taking all these chances down the field, knowing that when push comes to shove, they got the guys that can just go in and score. They go out to a 17 to nothing lead, fool around for two and a half, for two quarters, uh, lose the lead, and then just say, okay, fine. They score two quick touchdowns, take the lead back by 10, and then just simply coast to the finish line. Um, they looked distracted. Um, by the game, and, and it's something that I haven't really put that into perspective before, but that's exactly what they look like. They're really good, and sometimes they just, um, I think the big picture gets in the way of what they want to do play to play. 
We are talking to Steve Tasker. I think that's so interesting what you just said. I mean, how much of that, and I say this with the utmost respect, like Josh Allen is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks ever already, but how much of this is about him maybe looking at his phone or playing with his food? Because he does overcome. Like you said, there is so much under the hood that he can make up for the mistakes, but there were three more turnovers on Sunday. How big of a concern are these mistakes now that we're into the divisional round and they're looking to not only get to the Super Bowl, but win it all? Yeah, there's no question. I I think it is all about Josh. Uh, I think his team is dependable. Defense is very good. Uh, Maybe not a number one overall like it was a year ago. Certainly a top five defense in the NFL. They're going to be fine defensively. The weapons, you can make a case, no question, that Cincinnati has much more proven and, and much more dangerous weapons from top to bottom on the outside with Joe Burrow as well pulling the trigger. Uh, but it is in Buffalo, it is about Josh. And when, uh, for instance, in the playoffs last year, they put together an absolutely perfect game against New England. Uh, when he gets into a zone, he's as good or better than anybody else. Um, and this team is really almost, it becomes impossible to beat unless they hand it to you in some crazy way, shape, or form. Um, even the losses they took this year had that ring about them where the Bills just looked like a uh, stupid mistake here or, or a mistake there or a, a snafu there, and they give the game away. Uh, that's where they're at right now. And certainly if Josh Allen shows up in Buffalo this weekend uh, and goes high percentage and, and takes the check down, takes the big play when they're there, yeah, this team becomes really difficult to beat. Certainly in Buffalo they're almost impossible to beat. But they got the best team coming in to do it. You know, the, the AFC champion uh, – Cincinnati Bengals certainly have the guns to stay with them on the scoreboard, um, and it'll remain to be seen whether you know they can keep Joe Burrow clean enough to just hang in there with Josh Allen. But yeah, you're right, Romy. When push comes to shove, um, the engine under the hood in Buffalo is Josh Allen. We are talking to Steve Tasker, breaking it all down expertly. Steve, you know as well as anybody, the support the team gets from the Bills Mafia, there certainly is nothing like it. But has DeMar Hamlin's road to recovery brought this community even closer together than maybe it's ever been? Yeah, I, I think so. But I'll say this, Romy, uh, in, the, in the aftermath of, the, of DeMar's collapse in Cincinnati, I've never been around a team or a locker room or a building that was going through what the Buffalo Bills organization was going through in the, in the 56, 72 hours after the DeMar Hamlin incident. It was really, really, really difficult. It was a very difficult week here. Um, I didn't know if the team would ever climb out of it. And the only reason they did was because of the positive results that, that came out of DeMar's at the hospital in Cincinnati when DeMar came out of it. Um, the Bills' season was going away completely if if DeMar didn't pull through and, and didn't make the progress that he did. Um, and certainly in the aftermath, I still think, and, and DeMar is now uh, is in the building here uh, at One Bills Drive. He's in, in the building kind of hanging out. He's not going to meetings and stuff, but he's rehabbing. He's doing some stuff, um, re, re, uh, continuing his recovery here in the building. Um, his coming back and bouncing back the way he did was really the only reason the Bills could actually even go out and suit up against the New England Patriots in Week 18 and play at all against the Miami Dolphins in the wild card round. It was a very difficult week here, and uh, and I think I'm really I was really I should really, the team and the fans should be really proud of these players and coaches for coming out of it the way they did. 
I think what you said, Steve, I've never heard it put quite like that. I think that's chilling but understandable. How much of that is about one of their fallen brothers and family members enduring something like that and then them seeing something they have never seen before and will never unsee? And then how much of that is about the individual himself and how special he is? Yeah, and you're right, Jim, Romy, and it's, you know, it's all intertwined to a certain extent, obviously, you know, the, the kind of guy DeMar is and the effect it had on him. Um, football players, I think, professionally are, are used to seeing a guy down on the field. In fact, sadly, I'm sure fans are as well. Um, even in the game between uh, the Cowboys and the Bucks late on Sunday night, they carted Gage off the field, and, and you kind of grow immune to it. This was very, very different than that. Um, DeMar was, you know, without a heartbeat with, he was not breathing. Um, it, and they were frantically working to save his life. And the players stood there and not only were they, did they see it, they were asked to come in and shield the public from seeing it. Uh, yeah, it was rough. Uh, and I think if it doesn't turn out now the way it has over the past week and a half, um, I think the NFL season is very different. Um, and it is about DeMar. DeMar is a sensational dude. Uh, happy, just a great guy. Um, he's just a gregarious, hearts in the right place, hardworking guy who's a great teammate, great friend, good son, good brother, um, great family. His mom and his dad were with him through the whole thing. Um, yeah, when you... You know, when it, bad things happen to good people, we all feel it. And DeMar is a great example of that. All of it is intertwined, Romy, but if it works out any other way than it did for DeMar, you know, the Bills are, are out of the playoffs already. I think you make such a good point, Steve. And then you're right, the entire NFL season and then going forward, I think we see everything differently. And it's so awesome that it turned the way it did and there was such a positive response and he rallied the way he did. i got to ask you, Steve, he's one of the great, great special teamers ever, ever. What was it like then when they take the field and Naeem Hines houses not one but two kickoffs in Week 18 versus the Patriots? As somebody who was as good at this as anybody, what went through you when you saw that? It felt supernatural. Right. It really felt like, yeah, man, God is real. It felt miraculous, um, transformative, fairy tale, storybook, amazing, mind blowing, um, historic. None of those words fully describes it. Um, I have, I told guys, I have never in my, you know, I'm 60, Romy. I, in my life, I have never had a moment in time blow my mind like that kickoff return in the New England Patriots game for the Buffalo Bills blow my mind. Nothing has ever blown my mind the way that play did. Um, it was supernatural, and everybody in the stadium could feel it. That, that, Steve, that is such an exceptional statement that you've been around the game your entire life and never mind, never experienced it as a player. Like, literally, in all your years of playing and covering the game, you have never had that feeling once, ever, in any game, watching, playing, not, or otherwise? Not even close. It was absolutely... Um, it was absolutely supernatural. Um, higher power, miraculous. And I know there are people that are... That, well, I know nobody in the stadium will ever forget it. 
Uh, Jim Nance won't. Tony Romo won't. And neither will the ushers in aisle 25. They won't forget it either. It was absolutely a moment in history I will never forget. And it blew everybody in the whole place's mind. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I was going to say, and I'll leave you with this thought, Steve. If what you're saying is true, and I know it is, and 70,000-plus had the same feeling in the same moment, I can't even begin to imagine what the energy the supernatural feeling in that building must have been like if everybody felt the same thing at the same time. And you can't really yeah, describe it. 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 it was, yeah, you're right. And that's really what, what added to the moment was, you know, half the people in the stadium were jumping up and down and cheering. And the other 50% of them were absolutely wiping tears and breaking down and weeping openly. Um, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, it was on the it was the full range of human emotion wrapped up into a single moment, and uh, and we got to witness seventy thousand people go through it all at once. Such an amazing conversation. Steve Tasker is seven time Pro Bowler and co host of One Bills Live on MSG Network and WGR Radio in Buffalo. My guy, can't say how much I appreciate that, Steve. Such a great job as always. Thank you very much for doing that. That was awesome. Romy, thanks for having me. It's great talking to you again. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help routinely remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Their head coach is Dusty May. Dusty, it is great to have you on the program. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. It's, it's a pleasure being on. It's good to have you on, Dusty. So I know there's a lot going on, and I know it's your job to keep everything in perspective. But but when you bust into the top 25 for the first time in school history, you're no longer flying under the radar. What does that particular milestone represent to the program and the school itself? Well, obviously, being a new program, that, that it's a new university, a relatively new university. It's, it's great to have exposure uh, for our community, for our university, and, and for our current players. In, in today's climate, they have a lot of opportunities outside of basketball. So we feel like it's part of our responsibility to promote them and help them in, in, uh, currently in life after basketball. So it's been a whirlwind, but it's, it's, uh, I think it's very well-deserved for our players. All right, so let me ask you this. I know that you like this group coming in. I know that you liked a lot of what happened last year. Lost a couple of close games. Like, last year would look, as good as last year was, it would look so different if you finished a couple of those games. So I know you liked what you had coming in. Realistically, though, did you see this group ripping off 16 in a row, getting off to the best start in program history, and breaking into the top 25 as quickly as it did? No, Jim, to be honest, when we looked at our pre-conference schedule, we started off uh, our, our second, third game. We're on the road against two SEC opponents, and then we, we played several pre-conference games against teams that were picked to win their leagues at the low and mid-major level. So we felt like we had a very challenging schedule that would, that would prepare us for league. So, no, we didn't see this coming, but I will give our guys credit. They, they have a lot of confidence, and they were speaking this stuff into existence uh, well before the staff was. Dusty May is joining us. Break that down for me. Speaking this into existence, that manifestation, whatever you want to call it, do you teach it? How does it work, and how does it work for this group? No, our guys, uh, we have a very uh, player-led program, and they're very confident. uh, But with that confidence becomes an an amazing level of of work capacity and competitive spirit. Every single day in practice, I laugh. 
uh, even now in the season, most college players, most NBA players, they don't want to practice during the season. Our guys, I laugh and joke and say, you're not going to bully me into doing another drill or another segment. We, we're in the middle of the season. We can't get hurt. We have to, to stay off our legs a little bit uh, because of how much they like to play and compete. So um, I, I think that's a big part of our success. Guys that absolutely love playing ball and they're great teammates. We're talking to Dusty Mayer. You said also that it's a player-led program. Every coach that I talk to says now the best programs are player-led programs. What exactly does that mean, especially in your case? It means that the, the day-to-day activities in the locker room, how they, if, if there's a, a minor issue, they handle it in-house. And um, I think it's just they push, they challenge, they compete, and, and they hold each other uh, accountable. As coaches, we're, we're always trying to hold the, the, the whole accountable. But I think the individual parts, they're very close-knit. And if, if someone starts to fall out of line or, or, or get selfish, then, then they, they really just uh, they self-regulate and check themselves. You know, when I thought about having a conversation with you, I thought this would be something pretty important, but it's almost like you've already kind of rejected this theory for me. But I was going to ask you, when you get off to a start the way you've gotten off to and you're getting some national run, this is some pretty heady stuff for maybe some guys that have not experienced this before. Once again, second current longest streak nationally. Like, you know that when you get this kind of start, people are going to gas these guys up. They're going to blow them up. They're going to be in their head. How do you make sure everybody stays grounded, or do they already just know? Well, that, that was actually something we spoke of this morning in our staff meeting, that now you've got so many people that are going to be in their ears. We just we have to keep it in perspective. Um, one of the, the sayings that, that we like to use, it's, it's not about me. And each individual, it's not about me. It's about us uh, collectively. And that really, it, it's a coaching cliche. Coaches say it, but it, it really is. Uh, the, it, it's reality with this group. It, it's Anyone that knows our roster, we have uh, our, our our bench uh, outproduces our starting lineup a lot of games, and, and and our reserves now were the starters last year that maybe missed a game or two with injuries early on. We started playing well, so we just kept the same lineup. So um, it, it's a really unique group. Where I even asked a, a preseason first team all league player on our on our team, Elijah Martin, uh, the first game he came back and wasn't starting. I said, "Hey, you good with not starting?" And he smiled and said, "Yeah, I don't care." And we, we rattled off all these wins, so we just kind of stayed with the same lineup. So I don't know if there's very many teams in, in the country that would have a, a group that's humble enough to have first-team all-league caliber players coming off the bench. Our uh, first-team all-league uh, honorable mention player from last year, uh, he comes off the bench as well. So um, th- these guys don't just speak it, they live it. We're talking to Dusty May. Dusty, taking nothing away from anybody. I mean, this is a team concept through and through. Do you have anybody that you would consider – and again, not to take anything away from anybody, but is there a, that one alpha, that one superstar that stands out above all the rest, or is this the very definition of a team? Well, just when you asked that question, Jim, three or four different names popped into my head immediately. And uh, so I would say there's, there's more of a, a group uh, of leaders on our team. That there's, there's four guys that came in together, and they're probably as close as any group in, that I've ever been around in 20-plus years. And I think they, they, their personalities, their leadership, they, even if they weren't playing basketball, they have the natural it factor where people follow, people listen. So I think that's a big part of our internal leadership. Dusty May joining us. See, the fact of the matter is it's a relatively new program. But before you, there were some really big names that came through and tried to build that program and didn't really have any sustained success. Some, but nothing sustained. But then you took over five years ago, and when you did, the program only had five winning seasons in its 25-year history and none in the previous seven. So what did you like about this opportunity? 
Well, Jim, I was the associate head coach of Florida and, and absolutely loved it. Didn't really, I wasn't excited to take a head coaching job unless it was a really good one. And um, some friends said, hey, you need to go take a look at it. And for whatever reason, the GPS, uh, my wife and I drove down from Gainesville and the GPS kicked us off in uh, Delray Beach and we took Highway 1, uh, A1A, uh, for the five miles from Delray to Boca. And we were like, holy cow, this is it. And so I fell in love with the area uh, before I even saw campus or even met, had met with the administration. And, and anytime you're, you're in a place like Boca Raton, uh, you have a chance to win because of the quality of life. Uh, every day in the, this time of year, it's 70 degrees, clear skies. Uh, it's a growing university. And, and Dr. Kelly and Brian White, our, our administrators, they they committed to athletics and, and wanted to, to grow the university through athletics. So uh, that was a big sell to, to, to our, our staff and, and my family. It's a good thing GPS kicked you that way. I've been in the area. It's beautiful. <laughs> I see exactly how that goes. Dusty May joining us. So before you go, of course, you spent four years as a student manager for Bob Knight when you went to IU. Before I ask you about the experience, for those, Dusty, who don't know or maybe don't remember, how imposing a figure was Bob Knight in the basketball crazy state of Indiana back in the day um you know i i would look at it more like greek mythology uh, almost like a greek god uh when he when he walks into any room in the state any room in the in the midwest the the level of uh, intensity uh the eyes go directly to him there's just something about coach knight that you stopped to listen stopped to observe and his presence his his way of communicating his his voice everything about him uh, you know, all of it went into him being probably the greatest coach in the history of college basketball. So what was it like to work for him, and what were your biggest takeaways? What are the lessons that stay with you even now? I think the biggest is that everyone on the, in the program, they were on their toes at all times. You're, you're thinking ahead. You're anticipating problems. And, and now I have young, young sons, and I'm around young people all the time. The, the ability to problem solve and think ahead and find solutions before the problem those things are, are, are almost non-existent now. So I think the preparation and then just the ability to, to think forward, uh, I guess foresight would be the things that really jumped out uh, when I think about Coach Knight. Did you ever incur his wrath, Dusty? You ever get on the wrong side of the coach? A few times, but I, I took it well. My high school coach was a, was very similar to Coach Knight, so I was used to it since I was a, a young kid. So uh, that that never really bothered me. I almost expected it when I when I did mess up. All right, so let me finally ask you. The season has been all about parity. For example, you've got 13 ranked teams that lost this weekend. Your team is ranked in the top 25. Duke is not. How wide open do you think the overall landscape of college basketball is this year? More so than ever, and I think it gets that way every single year. It becomes more wide open, more parity. When you look at, at our league, when you look at Atlantic, at the Atlantic 10 year in, year out, uh, these leagues have teams that if you played the Power Fives on a neutral site or home and homes, I think the, the records would look a lot different. Um, and, and so it, it's just the way the game is going now. Even in the NBA, it seems there's more parity. There's more good players. Uh, for whatever reason, there's just not the, the, the few dominant teams. And then even the next year, they don't seem as, as imposing as they used to. As they used to. FAU, number 24. They're 17-1. They're 7-0. and The next up are playing on Thursday at Texas San Antonio. Another challenging one. Their head coach is Dusty May. Dusty, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. And it's great to talk to you and about your program. Thank you for doing it. Jim, I, I appreciate you having me on, Jim. Big Good fan. to have you, Coach. You got it, Dusty. Thank you. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. 
a family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? We go to Wichita. Drizzle. Drizzle, what's up, dude? Yo, what's up? <laughs> what you roll me, Rome? How you living, man? <laughs> I'm great, dude. How about you? Man, I can't call it. Look, Johnny, bro. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something right now, Pippin. Don't ever come for me again. You understand? Not only were you weak, but you are clearly misinformed. Romy didn't give me a golden ticket, partner. He gave me a straight-up invite. You understand what that means? That means I'm a cut above, kid. That don't mean I got a golden ticket that can be snatched. It means it's a straight-up invite, real deep. Oh, boy, I'm telling you what. If you come to me again, I will put you to work on the street for a nickel and a pack of smokes and watch you get passed around like Megan Hall. Now, Romy, what's my name? Drizzle. All right, here you go. <laughs> Let's go to round two. John in New York. John, what's going on? Hey, Rome. I didn't call today to start a fight. I just wanted to thank you for giving me the script for calling off the phones. I am not the violent person. I just want to have fun in the jungle. So thank you for helping me get over my fear of the phones. And Drizzle is my best friend. Ah! Dude, that was so bad. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. I I know who that was. V and the Fee. What's up, brother? How you doing? Rome Town Buffet. What's up, my pimp? What's up, dude? What are you doing? Yo, guess what? I'm hitting another bachelor party, my brother. And, of course, this is your invitation, Tommy's invitation, Alvy's invitation, not Rick's invitation. But, hey, Romy, this bachelor party is a little more business than pleasure because guess where I'm headed? Puerto Vallarta. So I'm on a mission, bro. I got your back. I'm looking out for that missing iPad. Hey, Rick, I said missing iPad. Not your missing eyebrows, you old bag of dirt. But anyways, after work, I'm flying straight out of TJ. I'm crossing the border using CBX. Alvi, I said CBX, not SEX. Calm down. Chill, fam. But the second I land in Mexico, oh, it's on. Interrogations, search and frisk, waterboarding. I'm doing whatever it takes, Romy, to find that iPad. Ooh. Sports take. My Vikings need to fire that idiot, Ed Donatel, 
whose defense couldn't stop the park car. Hey, Ed, you're old and you suck. But, yo, Romy, Jim Tendo, I want you to come through, man. You miss out on Vegas. You miss out on Palm Springs. Shout out to my guy, Steven Palm Springs. But don't miss out on Mexico. Romdellas will be flowing. Patron will be flowing. Jim and Tonic will be flowing. And I will definitely find that iPad. But we have one more task on the iPad. One of my singles friends is going. He desperately needs himself a mamacita. So I advised him to use the pickup line I heard DK Mudcap use. I made a mess in my pants. Can I get into yours? Ah. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Damn, V. Good night now!